If you're looking to maintain peak brain health, I'd like to introduce you to a cutting-edge new brain support formula from my friends at Thorne, Cinequel. If you're recovering from a head injury or play contact sports, you should pay special attention. Cinequel is formulated with the best research nutrients that support healthy brain structure and cognitive function. Cinequel's active ingredients help maintain cellular energy production, encourage a healthy balance of inflammatory cytokines, provide energy to fuel the nerves, support neurotransmitter production, and help protect against oxidative stress. It's available in two strengths. Cinequel for everyday maintenance, and Cinequel Plus, which provides higher amounts of certain nutrients for shorter-term post-impact support. For more information and to purchase Cinequel, just go to drhoffman.com thorn. There, you'll also find some of my other favorite thorn products. That's drhoffman.com thorn for the essential nutritional brain support formula, Cinequel. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. And lately, did I mention uh, that this is actually one of my favorite times of the week because uh, we get to answer questions. Uh, you and I, together, we form a composite mm-hmm. brain. And if I don't know the answer, uh, you do. <laughs> I, I try to chime in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's good fun. Yeah. Good. Uh, so... Uh, the uh, destination for questions, questions at dearhoffman.net. And let's tackle our next question. What is it? From Judy. My granddaughter suffers terrible cramps during her monthly periods. She's 27 years old. I mentioned to her it may have something to do with her diet. I do not think she agreed with me due to her non-response. Any suggestions? Judy, you can lead a horse to water, <laughs> yep. but you can't make them evaluate their diet <laughs> if they're having a problem. Yeah, I'm looking up. I'm looking up mm-hmm. whether there are any studies that explore the relationship between diet and menstrual cramps, because we would like to believe that an anti-inflammatory diet. Uh, yeah, could be helpful for that, but you know that's just maybe uh, a hypothesis. So let's look at what there is with the body of evidence. It says here, uh, this is actually from the Royal Women's Hospital, uh, which mm-hmm. sounds like it's in the UK. They say a growing body of evidence suggests that diets rich in omega three fatty acids such as fish, calcium, and vitamin D, and low in animal fat, salt, and caffeine, may reduce the risk of troublesome PMS symptoms. Avoiding salt can help reduce fluid retention, abdominal bloating, breast swelling, and pain. Uh, so you know, let's let's look at some of these factors. Like for one, uh, breast uh, pain is a factor associated with um, with, with PMS. Yeah, PMS. But and, we're talking about yeah, we're talking about terrible cramps during monthly periods, which is a little more of a prostaglandin problem. Yes. There's the pro-inflammatory prostaglandins and the anti-inflammatory. And the pro-inflammatories rely a little more on the beneficial fats. They got some of it right, the omega-3s, but also the beneficial omega-6 fats. You know, the, the, the borage or the evening primrose oil, things like that. Yes, very uh, getting good. enough B vitamins, some magnesium for the cramps, things like that. It, it makes all the difference when they're low in those particular micronutrients. It, it really, it's really felt. 
Right. And there can really be felt. There definitely is a relationship between obesity uh, and menstrual oh, yeah. cycle irregularity and certainly polycystic yeah. ovarian syndrome, uh, which mm-hmm. results in heavy menstrual bleeding and cramps. Uh, mm-hmm. So there, there is certainly an effect there. Uh, we could also recommend things like uh, magnesium or anti-inflammatories, maybe even uh, curcumin, uh, which may have yeah. an anti-inflammatory effect. Um, so, you know, there definitely is uh, an impact of a diet yeah. on menstrual uh, issues. So, mm-hmm. And here's the thing. There do need to be changes in diet. It's not just a matter of take more B-complex or take more B6 or take magnesium or take borage oil. If you're going to continue eating French fries and, and, and chicken fingers and things where a lot of trans fats are used, right. those Full trans fats. fats are going to displace. Mm-hmm. It's going to displace the good quality fats that you're trying to get, right, mm-hmm. to make more of the anti-inflammatory prostaglandins rather than the, uh, the pro-inflammatory. There's, so, even, there's you know, even a relationship between vitamin D and menstrual pain, according yeah. to the study. Uh, one, mm-hmm. I'm quoting here, it says, in reviewing, uh, this is a meta-analysis, in reviewing the above studies, it appears that high doses of vitamin D have a positive effect on reducing menstrual pain without any observed mm-hmm. side effects. Uh, according to available studies, high-dose vitamin D supplementation in single or multiple doses can reduce the severity of primary dysmenorrhea. That's the, I mean, dysmenorrhea is the yes. medical term for menstrual cramps. It means you got bad cramps. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Primary translation. <laughs> translation, exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's see yeah. if there's anything on magnesium and menstrual cramps. Because uh, I'm, I'm like dialing this up here uh, quickly on my uh, iPad. Uh, evaluating the effect of magnesium. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's a smooth muscle, muscle, it's a muscle relaxant, yeah. so that's also helpful. Yeah. And you know, these particular micronutrients are also beneficial in women who suffer with endometriosis. There you go. Because they not only have bad menstrual cramps, they're kind of cramping all the time, and it really helps with relief. I've got a couple of case studies on that where it's made, it's, it's been life altering. Mm-hmm. for a couple of women with uh, endometriosis to take something like a borage oil. They don't leave home without their magnesium. They don't, honestly, it's, it's, that, it's to that degree. And it's really gratifying to see that they're helped this Absolutely. way. Yeah. I'm going to look at B6 yeah. and menstrual cramps. Um, they say the evidence it's is not overwhelming, but a few studies suggest vitamin no. B6 may reduce symptoms of PMS. So it's yeah. not so much it's good for fluid retention. Yeah, and mood. It can help shed any kind of excess food. Yes, and mood. Anxiety. The P five P. Yeah, yeah. The P five P. Yep. Metabolite, which is so important, yep. right? So yeah, it, the answer is yes. But you know, as mm-hmm. Layla says, uh, you know, you could. You know, often we see couples. You know, and uh, the the it's usually the guy. And, uh, you know, and I make a bunch of suggestions and the wife is kind of rolling her eyes and she tries to keep quiet. But then she finally bursts out and said, you see, I told you so that, you know, and, and but they had to hear it from a health <laughs> professional. I said, you should have listened to your wife. You could have saved all that money because she, you know, she listens yeah. to intelligent medicine and she knows all this stuff. You know, just you 
pay more attention to her recommendations. <laughs> sure, sure. Oh, my goodness, yeah. You have to hear it from somebody else, right? Exactly. Judy, thank you for this very thoughtful question. Hope your granddaughter will maybe revisit your question yeah. or your suggestion. It's Let's tough see. being a relative offering okay. health information. Sometimes it takes and sometimes it's, uh, you know, not well received. Yeah, and, and you know what? I tell anybody... You know, you can't advise you can't advise anyone who's not ready to receive it or who did not ask you for your advice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, if Judy's granddaughter mentioned in passing, why do I have such bad cramps? And Judy said, "Well, maybe it's your diet." Okay. But at least you've planted a seed or maybe put thought in her head of to reevaluate a little bit, even though she didn't respond to you, Judy. Mhm. Right? Right. She may, you know, respond to you later. It's all right. So You're a good I grandma. Want to, I want to throw in one other thing, which is um, alcohol. Mm-hmm. Oh, alcohol, yeah. Uh, you know, increases the amount of estrogen. And yes. there's actually um, alcohol may increase the bad prostaglandins, worsening period cramps. It also tends yeah. to interfere with the elimination of estrogen and uh, excessive estrogen may be a culprit in severe menstrual cramps. So, mm-hmm. you know, granddaughter of what age, you know, and typically it's a teenager or an adolescent. Okay, well, that, that, that's definitely yeah. the era when, you know, drinking is a big thing. So that could be part of right. the equation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. So we've got another email here from Carrie. I'm a, I'm 47 years old and I've had a few moles removed over the years that were basal cell carcinoma in nature. Do you recommend taking nicotinamide daily to prevent future occurrences and are there any risks to doing so? Yes. Uh, there's actually a, a real uh, uh, kind of a hallmark study on nicotinamide uh, for skin cancer and showing yeah. that there was a reduction, a double-digit reduction in skin cancer. Uh, and that the dosage, if I'm not mistaken, was 1,500 milligrams. Now, a B50 has maybe 50 milligrams, so that's kind of a high dose. But it's a type of B6, I'm sorry, type of B3, unlike yeah. niacin, which is well-tolerated. But I think in mm-hmm. people who already have pre-existing liver problems, they've got to be a little careful even with nicotinamide. What, what do you say, uh, Layla? Mm. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, they should be watched. And I do believe that it's helpful for uh, many of those people who have, like, the precursor to skin cancer. What is that called? Actinic keratoses? AK, right. It's one mm-hmm. of the AK. Right, right, right. So it could be helpful that way. Um, yeah. But nicotinamide riboside is, is wonderful for a of things. You know, you could even get away with yeah. 500 twice daily because that was in the study. And I have it here. Uh, yeah. B6 cut the rate of new squamous cell and basal cell skin cancers by 23%. Like I say, double digit, you know, not perfect prevention, but something that I have a lot of patients taking 500 milligrams. You can, it's very cheap. You know, it's like $13 a bottle for, you know, 500 milligram mm-hmm. uh, nicotinamide, not niacin capsules. And, right, um, right. Yeah, that would be good. Okay. All right, Carrie, thank you for that question. This may be a good time yeah. to pause for 
for a word from one of our sponsors. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, that's, uh, let's take this opportunity <laughs> to uh, offer them a forum. So here goes. Listen up. I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system, which regulates many of our most critical bodily functions, such as learning and memory, emotional processing, sleep, temperature and pain control, and inflammatory and immune responses. The CBD brand that I take and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce a new innovation to their reserve collection, a sleep gummy. The reserve collection is a specially curated blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids, including THC. Rich and bold, the Reserve Collection products are for when intense support is needed. Reserve Sleep Gummies build on their unique Reserve Collection formula with effective sleep-focused ingredients to better prepare you for bed each night. Wake up feeling refreshed, energized, and ready to take on the day with Reserve Sleep Gummies. All of Plus CBD's products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code HOFFMAN30 for 30 percent off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new reserve collection sleep gummies. Thanks for listening. Of course, thanks for supporting our sponsors because uh, they are what make intelligent medicine a continuing free resource to you. And we appreciate them. And we also uh, heartily support their offerings because we've We've, we've learned about them. Well, we've used them on ourselves and our patients, and they really can make a difference. So what's yeah. next? Okay. We've got a question from Janet. Hi, Dr. Hoffman. What do you feel works best to lower fibrinogen? I've been taking enzymes and some buluke, mm-hmm. but I can't get it lower than mm-hmm. 460, and it's been this way for a few years. Mm-hmm. I understand that Optimal is supposed to be less than 300. Do you have any other supplements or brands that lower fibrinogen that you think yeah. may work better? So what we're talking about, fibrinogen, is mm. it's uh, two, two words. It's a composite, fibrin, which is these sticky tendrils that platelets send out to form kind of a network to create a blood clot. That's fibrin is the substance that the platelets exude when they want to form a blood clot. And gen means to generate. So fibrinogen is a substance that generates fibrin. And very high levels of fibrin are associated with a higher risk of blood clot. I mean, it's not the only thing that is associated with blood clots. There are many factors, but higher levels of fibrinogen are considered a a risk factor. So... um, He's taking the right thing because Bolouke is actually an earthworm-derived enzyme that's proteolytic mm. that tends to prevent uh, fibrin formation or break down fibrin. Um, there's also, of course, natokinase, which the person yeah. may or may not be taking. Uh, that is well mm-hmm. known as a anti-fibrinogen product. Uh Yes. It also might be useful to take something like ginger, which is a little bit mm. of a blood thinner. And, uh, okay. you know, uh, you know, if, if you've experienced a blood clot, then you really need to be on something stronger. You need to be on aspirin and or one of the blood anti-clotting drugs. But, yeah. um, you know, I guess I wouldn't fixate on that. I would, you know, make sure that all your other risk factors are in order because that's, a, you mm-hmm. know, maybe there's a genetic propensity to a little higher fibrinogen in your case. 
Yeah. Certainly fish oil, you know, fish oil is not so much attacking fibrinogen, but it's something that prevents blood clots. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if an anti-inflammatory diet would be helpful. The reduce, the reduction of, of triglycerides or something like that may be helpful in this regard. Well, you know, I actually, I actually wrote about, excuse me, I I actually wrote about this Mm -hmm. phenomenon where Diet can have an impact on heart attacks and strokes, which are usually caused mm-hmm. by blood clots. And the connection was that people who had high levels of IgE, especially to dairy, uh, even oh, if they didn't yeah. have symptoms, even if they had symptoms, they had higher rates of heart attacks and strokes. So is it, I think I know where you're going there with that is diet, but specifically hmm. identifying food allergies, which can promote high levels of IgE, which is an immunoglobulin that uh, might have a stickiness-promoting effect, you know? You know, that was such an interesting part of the newsletter article that you just wrote a couple of days ago. Uh, that, that, is, that is fascinating about food allergies and things like, you know, uh, that, that the IgE may be now something to be tested, along with not just cholesterols, but lipoprotein little a and, and all of the other Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. And yeah. what is it's thought that this is a little bit along the lines of this uh, histamine connection, uh, mm. you know, the, uh, you know, the so-called uh, um, mast cell uh, related disorders, uh, MCAS, yeah. mast cell activation syndrome, where the mast cell activations can cause more than just nasal congestion, wheezing and skin itch. Uh, or digestive problems, but also can have a systemic effect on the blood vessels, you know, so that eliminating food allergies uh, may be part and parcel of cardiovascular prevention. It's kind of an interesting approach there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Janet, thank you for your question. All right. Oh, we've got one from Marianne. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. I've been on Ozempic for almost a year and I've had diarrhea every morning. Is this ruining my gut microbiome or is this in a different way in a system that is not going to pose a danger to brain health? If probiotics were enough to fix this, wouldn't the diarrhea have stopped? Yeah. Hmm. So... A couple of things, you know, come up here. First of all, it's very common to have digestive symptoms with these new medications for weight loss because they actually work on the brain, but they also work on the gut. And so uh, they... Slows uh, it all down. They will slow transit, but in this case, it's diarrhea, which is kind of paradoxical, but it's pretty common with these medications. Uh, That leads Mm. a lot of people to stop the medications. They can't tolerate them. Uh, Some people, you know grin and bear it because they want the weight loss. They put that, you know, as the primary goal, even though they're experiencing a lot of GI symptoms. Uh, I talked to a guy recently who uh, he's actually a a friend uh, who went on a Zempic and at first he didn't notice anything, but there's an induction phase. So he went, you know, he started taking higher and higher doses and finally he got to the desired dose and then he had his usual meal, which was uh, a breakfast of Eggs and pastrami. That's like his favorite mm. breakfast. He said he was so... That's a great omelet. He, but he was so sick. 
you know, usually oh, no. that's his favorite because he said it just, and I said, it's almost like an abuse like effect. You know, that's the drug that makes people sick oh, when wow. they drink alcohol. That's actually used sometimes yeah. to curb alcohol cravings. It's called abuse. So it's like, uh-huh. you know, if you eat too much, you get sick. And then you eat less progressively, less and less. And, you know, drugs that make you sick when you eat a lot will make you lose weight. But is it worth it? Um, I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of people, it, it seems to be. But, um, you, you know, know what? I'm, I'm wary it's of like, that. yeah, it's the drug. It's the drug version of gastric bypass. Yes. Because with gastric bypass, the ruin why you're you're you can't overeat. You will be sick. Yes. Yeah. And it's the same with the Sozempic and the Munjaro and, and all of that. It slows everything down to the point where you can't eat that much anymore. You're forced to eat less. In a gastric bypass operation, you are forced to eat less. Okay. So, so, so the, the, the question is about the microbiome, though. Will it change the microbiome? Yeah. And uh, there's probably not a direct effect on the microbiome like an antibiotic, for example, uh, but when you change your diet and you change the amount of food you eat and the nature of the food that you eat, you're going to change your microbiome for better or for worse. Yeah. And yeah. the microbiome has something to do with weight gain because you, in experiments with rats, you can take the you know stool from one rat and transplant it into another rat and either make them fat or thin based on you know what mm-hmm. the donor was. Um, and so what's interesting is that they they acknowledge the gastrointestinal side effects uh, of these drugs, and it's there are some warnings now about gastroparesis, uh, obstruction. That's actually the opposite of diarrhea. Uh, constipation is yeah. common. Uh, there's also mm-hmm. some quite a you know fair number of people getting pancreatitis. Uh, you lose weight too fast, you get gallbladder stones. Uh, but mm. there's a new signal that is being studied because, you know, in pre-marketing, you know, they may test a few thousand people. But in post-marketing, which means millions of people begin taking it worldwide over a long period of time, you start to see post-marketing signals. Signals meaning mm-hmm. that there's a hint of a problem. We don't know if it's a problem, but we're going to have to start looking at it of increased risk of depression and even suicide. So, oh my, because why? Because oh, no. it affects the brain. And we actually had yeah. a very interesting guest uh, on our program recently who talked about how if you change one's appreciation for food, well, maybe just maybe you're changing one's appreciation for just about everything. And you create sort of a, a flattening of mood, which can lead to depression, yeah. lack of dopamine, lack of gratification, and lowered mood. So, yeah. Um, there's a whole That's lot we very haven't yet. Un, un, there's a whole lot we haven't yet unpacked about these medications, and you know we're going to need to learn more about them. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a rule of thumb: is I don't prescribe a medication until two or three years after it's been introduced. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. prescribe these medications. I actually had dinner with a colleague who I asked if he prescribed them. Uh, he's a holistic doctor like myself. He says, "Oh, of course, I've been doing it for years." And I go, "Hmm, okay. That's you know, uh, mm-hmm. that's it's." I'm not saying that I'm morally superior. I'm just more <laughs> cautious about, you know, putting people on powerful meds. Yeah. Uh, I have to tell you, in my experience uh, w- with patients on the, Ozempic in particular, because that was the first one on the scene, uh, 
the look is like a little bit of um I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to uh, describe the look the the look on Ozempic the face Ozempic face you're talking Ozempic face it's like it's like a permanent scowl or a small frown and a, hey how are you doing oh I don't like food and I'm not interested in eat- mm-hmm. I'm not interested in eating I don't like what I'm eating I don't well, yeah, that's what the drug is doing for you. You don't like and, what you're and, eating anymore. And some of that could come just from the loss of the uh, the adipose tissue in your face, and you then you have to go for plastic surgery. And that actually is a, yeah. is it's a phenomenon that plastic surgeons are seeing. They're saying, "Oh, these people lost scads and scads of weight. They're coming in for surgery to you know remove the you know the the belly you know flab that you know all that loose yes. skin you know and all, but uh-huh. also in the face. I mean, you know, I. Some the hollow some, cheeks. Yeah, some overweight people have the best skin. They were plumped up, you know, they have rosy red cheeks mm-hmm. and then they become gaunt <laughs> when they lose. Right. Yeah. Right. They had natural juvederm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's very well said. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Anyway. We have time so, for more questions. Right. So let's see if we can squeeze a couple more in. Okay. Uh we've got one from Ron. Hi, Dr. Hoffman. Was wondering if bypass surgery is still done. If so, has it evolved in any way? I remember the late Dr. Atkins mentioning the unholiness of stents and bypasses way back when, and I haven't heard much about these procedures other than in your newsletter. So what do you think? Okay. Uh, yeah, I recently talked about uh, excessive stenting, and it turns out that about yeah. half the stents, you know, they put in like a little, I call it a full metal jacket, you know, after the movie, you know, the movie about Vietnam. And it is like a little metal jacket, the wire mesh is inserted into a blood vessel uh, via mm-hmm. the groin or via the wrist, and it's maneuvered into the heart. And then... Uh, uh, there's a balloon that's inflated. It flattens the plaque that's been restricting blood flow. And then the stent uh, remains to prop open the artery. It's, that's called balloon mm-hmm. angioplasty. And um, so, you know, the if you have multivessel disease, you know, like you find that uh, you've got a lot of blockage, uh, it might make more sense to have bypass surgery. Uh Hmm. versus if you have like localized one vessel disease. Unfortunately, the decision is sometimes made by the type of doctor you see. And, you know, if you're seeing a surgeon, they'll want to do, you know, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, cabbage, coronary artery bypass the graft. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the angioplasty can be done on, you know, multi-vessels. You can do as many as you want. Uh, it is said that the heart's three coronary arteries aren't always equal. Uh, the mm-hmm. big one, the so-called widow maker, is called the LAD, the left anterior descending artery. And uh-huh. when, you, when, that, when you have a heart attack there, it actually affects a large portion of the heart, a large part of the heart muscle. And if that muscle dies, you can die or you can be in serious trouble. So bypass surgery is the best choice for a blocked LAD. Um, so and if, but if the LAD is not blocked and uh, there's you know no other reason not to do a stent, stents are more likely to be used because it's less invasive and the recovery yeah. time is less. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. 
There you go. Ron, thank you for your very thoughtful question. Okay. Uh, can we squeeze in one more if we have one? We could squeeze in one more. This is from Tony. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. I recently listened to a podcast you did with Dr. James Laval. In it, he referenced bergamot as having many benefits, primarily for cholesterol, but also has benefits for fatty liver, blood sugar, inflammation. I'm 78 with insulin resistance, fatty liver, and hypertension, which are all controlled, but my, my cholesterol is relatively low. Could I benefit from taking bergamot for my fatty liver, or will it make my cholesterol too low? Oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about the cholesterol being too low. I think bergamot lowers cholesterol by about 5 or 10%. Uh, actually, this was news okay. to me, you know, because I, in talking to uh, Jim Laval, uh, I always learn yeah. something because he's really on top of the science. And so, you know, I welcome my sessions with him when we do a podcast. Uh, he shared that bergamot is helpful for fatty liver, which I didn't know. And I actually have a, hmm. uh, a study here. It's actually not a new study. It's almost 10 years old. Uh, we showed that bergamot therapy converted a typical patient from severe steatosis, which is a medical term for fatty liver, to moderate in 12 weeks. Yeah. So I think there's some evidence that not only is it not harmful, uh, but it might actually be helpful for the liver. So, okay. uh, but, you know, I think the treatment par excellence for fatty liver, and I think you'll agree, Layla, is a low-carb diet, right? Absolutely. It will burn up the fat, the triglycerides, because... When your triglycerides fall off a cliff, like when you embark on a low-carb diet, and it happens fairly quickly, in even under three months, triglycerides will go low before even cholesterol numbers are a little more optimal, right? So it burns up literally those triglycerides, those streaky fats in the liver yeah, because you're burning fat for energy. It is the antidote. And what's paradoxical is that a diet like the keto diet, which is relatively high in fat as the calorie source with almost no carbs, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. has actually been shown in some studies to be helpful for fatty liver. So yes. uh, the you know supplements uh, that are helpful uh, may include, you don't want to take niacin, you don't want to take high vitamin A because those actually harm no. the liver at high doses. So uh, things like... Um, like uh, carnitine for the fat burning effect. Because when we're burning fat for energy, you're burning up all the fat in your body, hence the weight loss, hence the disposal of the fat in that fatty liver. We also so like, by enhancing the fat burning uh, process, that metabolism, things like L-carnitine, for example, mm -hmm. are helpful. There's uh, Maybe phosphatidylcholine. Betaine, phosphatidylcholine. Uh, yeah. Milk thistle, N-acetylcysteine, yep. uh, mm -hmm. which actually supports uh, liver function oh, yeah. if you have elevated liver. Yeah. So mm -hmm. those are among the things that are that are helpful uh, for, and there are various liver formulas that uh, include some of these ingredients, or you can take the, the things individually. Um, yeah, but, uh, it, I, I think it's really a good case for nutritional intervention because, by the way, uh, there's been a lot of research expended on drugs for fatty liver. Since fatty liver is is a, a big problem, it affects tens of millions of Americans. And boy, they yeah. would really love to find it. It would be a multi-billion-dollar selling drug that would fix fatty liver. 
Um, mm-hmm. I would also say that drugs like uh, Ozempic, while they might be hard on the pancreas, might actually help fatty liver because they get people to lose weight, and losing weight and eating less is going to be helpful for you know reducing fatty liver. So that's um, true. Yeah. But gee, would I want to risk pancreatitis? Trade Ooh. one problem for another. Yeah, yeah. Oh, many people will. Yeah, you know, well, looking for the magic bullet. It is. Yeah. The, this look, we are living in an era where this we have actually approached the holy grail of pharmaceutical research, yeah. which is medications that can dramatically help people lose weight. But yeah. you know, not nice to fool with Mother Nature. There's always a consequence, and we have to weigh the the risks versus the benefits. But there's some people who, Absolutely. I mean, actually achieve some reduction in cardiovascular risk. Not just look mm-hmm. better, but, you know, just like statins somewhat reduce cardiovascular risk for some people. For some people, yeah. uh, shedding those pounds, if they can maintain these medications, will have some cardiovascular benefits. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right. All right. Well, that's all the well, time Well, there we, we have it. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, mm-hmm. any announcements, uh, you can go to bandpfast.org uh, to find out about our campaign to... Uh, help keep our environment free of these forever chemicals that have uh, numerous harmful effects. We need to push uh, the FDA and Congress uh, to get off the dime and safeguard us from these industrial chemicals which are being poured into our environment all the time. Banpfas.org. Uh, yeah. Mention again, questions at drhoffman.net is the place to send questions. And uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Q&A with Layla. Thanks, Layla. Thanks, Dr. Hoffman. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Until then, this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover Intelligent Medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything intelligent medicine has to offer, including frequently updated unbiased health news and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your healthcare. You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that 
only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust, the very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoppinStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoppinStore.com. DearHoppinStore.com.